ready to wake up, you're going to wake up. And if you're not ready, you're going to stay pretending that you're just a little, poor little me. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty. In the 17th chapter of St. Luke, it is written, the kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power. The world is like a ride at an amusement park, and when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. Everybody is I. You all know you are you. And wheresoever beings exist throughout all galaxies, it doesn't make any difference. You are all of them. And when they come into being, that's you coming into being. Yo, 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 people. How's it going? So anyway, this week on the podcast, as promised, this is my conversation with Robert Wagner from my time down in London. I met up with him for a few hours and it was really cool to hang out and dive deep into the realms of lucid dreaming. This is Robert's, I think it's fourth or fifth time he's now been on the podcast and every single time I talk to him, he completely blows my mind and this was no different. We delved so deep into this into this conversation that I think it will completely blow your socks off. Robert also said to me off the podcast that this is probably the deepest he has ever gone, which I think is really great because I did, as you will see in this, I really did try to um, pull him right into the woo as I love diving deep into the biggest questions. And uh, as you will see in this, which is quite funny, at times he was trying to hold back and I was... I was I was reining him in for for everyone. I really wanted to get the best out of him, and I kept knocking on his door, and and he was giving he was giving us some gems. So I did I did work hard for you guys. So I hope you like that. And for you who don't know who Robert Wagner is, Robert is basically one of the leading researchers on lucid dreaming in the world, and he's also the author of a amazing book called Lucid Dreaming: The Gateway to the Inner Self. I would definitely recommend checking that out. And I just wanted to say as well, which I thought was really cool, Robert was telling us about how quite a few of you guys have been going to his lucid dream, um, uh, doing some of his lucid dreaming programs in, that, in events that he does. And he said, Robert said to me that a lot of the people who, who actually do his uh, lucid dreaming programs are all come from the Ascend podcast. And I think that's really cool. And so I just want to say thank you so much for supporting him with that. And it really means a lot that you've that you're spreading the word of the podcast and saying and telling Robert that that you love the podcast it really means a lot and he he, could, he couldn't see anything more he couldn't see anything better about you all he said that all the people that have been coming from the ascend podcast are so positive and just cannot stop talking about the ascend podcast so i want to say thank you so much for that it really means a lot to me and it really it really shows to me how, how and it surprises it really does surprise us at times as well how the reach of this thing really i mean sometimes um uh, like i've said this before but i started this podcast in my mom's bedroom and the podcast has evolved into something beautiful and people from all over the world are spreading the message of this thing and i think it's i just i just want to say if it, sometimes it just honestly i'm just so flattered by the amount of people that listen to this podcast it really means a lot i can't express that anymore and i thought what was i thought was really wild the other day is it just can everything in life just keeps surprising us at times but in terms of the reach of this podcast i was i was getting me a haircut the other day in the hairdressers and i overheard a conversation between two guys who were in the in the hairdressers and they were only talking about a recent podcast that i did with david ike and they were saying how they loved it and everything 
and I didn't I didn't say anything to them. I just let them speak speak on. But it's really funny how they didn't even recognise us, and they'd said that they even watched it on the YouTube channel. So I thought that was quite funny. So I just let them, I let them, um, I let them sort of talk about, it and I never said anything to them. I should have probably said something, but now they've probably know. Now I'm saying this, so they'll probably they'll probably look out for that when I'm in the hairdressers next, <laughs> which is funny. But anyway, I also just want to say as well that. Just wanted to say as well that was recently down in London and Brighton doing some podcasts. Had a had a really um, nightmare of a long drive. It took us about I think it took us fourteen hours in total. The traffic in London and stuff. It was absolutely brutal to say the least. I had to have a day to recover from the drive, and it really was. Uh, it was a really really was um, it was a very hot day as well in the UK because we've been having a lot of nice weather. And the drive back from doing the the podcast the other day was a was an absolute killer. But it's all worth it anyway to get some really interesting conversations. I had a really had a re- nightmare the other day. That's why last week there wasn't a podcast conversation out. Is because I travelled all the way down to London and I had two amazing conversations set up. And unfortunately, two podcasts right at the last moment got cancelled, which I was absolutely gutted about because I drove. I think I drove nearly nine hours to do them. So, but. <laughs> There's sometimes in life the universe does little things like that and there's nothing you can do about it. You've just got to keep your head up and keep going forward. And that's exactly what I did. And I just wanted to mention as well that a few people have been reaching out and asking about is there there going to be an Ascend podcast retreat? Yes, in the future, this is definitely something that I'm going to be working towards and get something in place. I would love for us to all hang out and do some sort of retreat where we can talk, we can all hang out around a campfire and maybe go hiking, do some yoga, do some Wim Hof methods. So that's definitely coming out up in the near future and I'll definitely keep you updated on that. And this weekend coming as well, I'm going to actually be at the Lake District and that's maybe a place that I'll be actually maybe hosting the retreat in the future but it's a, such a beautiful and magical place and I'm going to be there at the weekend just to hang out with a couple of my friends. We're going to go kayaking. The weather in the UK at the moment has been re- really hot. It's been so nice. It's been ridiculously hot just what I like as well and so the weekend I think I'll be heading down to the Lake District for a couple of days of hiking and getting out on the kayaks so I'm looking forward to that I hope you are all wherever you are you're all getting out in this in the nice sun if it's sunny where you are or just getting out anywhere into the nature it's always good to get out there and just explore the natural world and just have some adventures really but anyway I just want to say that if you can, please check out the Patreon page. It really is the best way to support the podcast. There really isn't that many patrons on there in comparison to the amount of people that listen to this thing. And if even if just 50% of this podcast even just donated $2 a month, honestly, this would that would really honestly help me take this to a complete next level. You might be thinking that $2 is not going to help the podcast, but I promise you, even if 10% of this audience just donated $2 a month, it really would help me take this to the next level. And I could start even doing two podcasts a week, three podcasts a week. But at the moment, obviously, I'm struggling to do one because of time issues and stuff. But if you can if you, if you can find it in your heart to help me to take this to the next level, I really would be indebted, for you, indebted to all you for the rest of my life. And I promise you, I will give you the best shot at this and keep pushing this to the next level and bringing you the most inspiring and conscious conversations on the planet and i really do promise that so please if you can just find it in your heart and support the podcast through the patreon page that's enough of me talking now i've ranted on too much 
But anyway, I love you all. And I know for a fact you are going to love this conversation. So enjoy. So let's do this. So thank you so much for joining us on the podcast again for the, like I said earlier to you, I think it's the fourth time we've had this conversation now. Yeah. In the past, I think it was was when I was doing it with the podcast with Chris and I think we did it on Skype and then this now, now is obviously the podcast has evolved and we've got cameras and stuff like this. So it's a, it's a beautiful part of the evolution to be able to sit with you as well and have these conversations and see how far the podcast itself's come as well. Yeah. And in the past, when I, I remember when I was speaking to you, when I first started sort of, it was very early on in my journey when I was looking into lucid dreaming, looking into consciousness and all the biggest questions about reality, basically. And I remember when you, you came on the podcast for the first time and I was aware of lucid dreaming, but I'd never really had the sort of the experience of what you were having and the realms that you were diving into. And I remember that first time when you give us that dream technique and you said, tonight when I dream, I'll see my hands and become aware that I'm in a dream. Yeah. And I did that technique for 30 days and from then on I think I told you the last time we spoke I had some very interesting experiences yeah and obviously from then on me understanding and experiences I've had with lucid dream and have obviously evolved and stuff so it's really interesting to see how far I've come with that as well but just to start this off because there is there's so many um topics I want to delve into and I'm also mindful of what we spoke about in the past okay. so I want to try and take it to the next level if I can as well yeah but just to start off the the conversation I really wanted to um sort of because since we've last on the podcast and me and you both spoke the i do i still feel that there's still a stigma around lucid dreaming i still feel that i mean if you look at other sort of other areas in terms of the the conversation of spirituality and consciousness like meditation psychedelics things like that right they seem to get a lot more sort of a lot of more attention i would say not only just attention by the public but attention in terms of sort of mainstream sort of sort of academic prolouse really people actually yeah, yeah. sort of investigating them and scientifically studying them yeah and for me i'd feel that the lucid dreaming realm is a realm where it's very it has so much potential it really yeah. does and experience with me own self experiencing it but why do you feel that's still not or, or maybe you do feel it's took more seriously you know um dreaming as a general topic in our culture is just kind of devalued you start talking to one of your friends about a dream you had last night, mm -hmm. and they just look at you like you've gone mad. And uh, or, or they'll make some joke about it, or they'll just dismiss it. Oh, it's a dream. Just forget about yeah. it. Honey, it's just a dream. <laughs> it's just a dream. And so, so when you have something that's devalued to kind of show people that in lucid dreaming, you can get so much value out of it. You can use it for to access creativity, to resolve emotional problems, to heal your physical body to interact with a larger awareness. You can do all that kind of wild stuff, and I talk about that in all my books. But if you start from this area where you just devalue it, you just never you just never get to see the beauty and mystery of it. And so that's why I'm glad that there's lucid dreamers out there who are really exploring it and taking it to the next level. But, but as a general culture, it's gonna take a while. Uh, one of my friends who's a professor, he, he, he has a tagline on his emails, that science advances one funeral at a time. Yeah, yeah. And it's just kind of to say, you got to get the old way of thinking out of the way before the new way of thinking can have a chance to really uh, develop and flourish and grow and blossom. But, but again, um, 
the more lucid dreamers out there having incredible experiences, the more people will get into it. Yeah, I love that. Do you, do you see it as a, a tool in the future for, because I know I've heard many people talking about how in the, in the future a possibility could be using lucid dream as a tool for searching for the biggest questions of reality really as well, but not just that in terms of, in terms of physics and things like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, so the, the 11th century uh, Indian yogi Naropi, Naropa said that uh, lucid dreaming was one of the six paths to enlightenment, or actually he said dream yoga was, but lucid dream is the primary technique in dream Buddhist dream yoga. But but it is one of these ways that we can explore some of the, these giant topics. And, and I want to tell you why. It's because in a lucid dream, if you know how, and, and I explained it just very easily in my book, you can begin to access your larger knowledge, uh, the kind of stuff that Carl Jung called the collective unconscious. And, and here's an example. Um, I do an online workshop that goes on for 30 days. And um, one year, a, a young woman showed up who was a university student in Australia. And, and that really surprised me. And so I, I wrote to her privately and I said, tell me what it is. Why are you taking my 30-day online workshop? And she said, I'm a chemistry and physics major. I want to learn what it's like to be an electron. And so I told her, okay, in this course, we are going to help you learn what it's truly like to be an electron. She wanted to become an electron and understand things from an electron's viewpoint. And so it took her five lucid dreams to get there. Because what happens, you got to, you got to unpack your preconceptions, your beliefs, your expectations. If you really want to get down to the base experience, you got to unpack all that stuff. But on the, on the fifth lucid dream, she, she, it blew her mind, just blew her mind. And, and as she said, she got down to the subatomic level and then she um, became an electron. She said, as she was vectoring around, she said the experience of joy was just incredible. And, and so th that was one thing that really surprised me uh, uh, about her recap of it uh, after she came out of the lucid dream was uh, just how much joy there is uh, in all these electrons bouncing around and everything. So, so, so here we have zillions of electrons just in this room right now. And, and you think that, boy, you know, behind all of this, behind all this phenomenal reality, that there might be just kind of bliss occurring, at least at the subatomic level. But I do feel that someday people are going to start to use these techniques of interacting with the larger awareness that I talk about in all my books, and they'll use it to explore concepts in physics. And some of these big, bigger concepts, you know, like what happens to us when we die and, and what's consciousness all about and are there other dimensions and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I love that. When you were um, speaking before about Carl Jung, in the collective unconscious, I wanted to actually ask your opinion on that and what you what what do you feel about that and the relevance to what you've experienced in the lucid dream. So, so, um, so Carl Jung, when it comes to the collective unconscious, I feel is a little bit slippery. Um, he does a lot of writing over the course of his career. He doesn't really come up with a real hard and fast theory of everything or th theory of every dream thing, and but he talks about the collective unconscious. Sometimes he kind of talks about it as all the information and knowledge uh, from the first single cell organism evolutionarily all to where we are right now. It's kind of embedded in the genetic code and, and also in that way there's kind of a collective unconscious that resides within us and it's, and it's all of that information. And, and that's 
that's uh, definitely the case. I, I think even science is starting to admit that, that there's all this genetic code that they don't quite understand, and, and uh, they think it might have to do with a lot of all these life lessons uh, over hundreds of millions of years. But then there's another part of his collective unconscious because he would report uh, precognitive dreams like like uh, before World War II uh, started uh, um, a few years before, he dreamt of the entire continent being covered in blood. And, um, and so he'd have these precognitive dreams as well. And in that way of the collective unconscious, it's kind of like there's a larger knowing. There's a larger knowing who kind of gets... Uh, um, that kind of sees beyond or further than than normal ego or waking consciousness. And so, so he has kind of two views of the collective unconscious. One is kind of the larger universal knowledge, and the other is kind of all this evolutionary information that's that's been uh, um, become part of our makeup since the beginning of time. Yeah, I love that. What do you, what do you with lucid dreaming? What do you feel? Because do you feel that's part of that sort of that? How can I use the word evolutionary makeup, or do you think it's, or do you feel with your lucid dream experience, it's something beyond that? Well, well, I think you can actually see both. Um, so, so uh, here's a wonderful example. Um, my friend Lucy Gillis in Canada and I, uh, for 18 years, we've we've done a free online magazine, the Lucid Dreaming Experience magazine. Anyone can get it for free. Read about 10 years of past issues. But a couple of years ago, a young guy, I think his his name is Brian. Brian uh, sent in a lucid dream. And so that night, he'd been watching on TV about animals migrating and, and why do animals migrate and science trying to figure out why animals migrate so far. And one of them was the sea turtle. So you have these sea turtles that migrate from the Hawaiian Islands all the way to the um, west coast of South America. It's, it's like 1,500 miles of swimming across the ocean just to lay some eggs. And and get the little hatchlings and then swim back or something. It's kind of wild to think about. So anyway, that night he became lucidly aware, and then just in his mind he thought, "Why do turtles migrate so far?" And suddenly he said, "It was like he was lifted above the earth, and he looked down, and it was when all of the land was one continent." And so geologists say, if you go back hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars millions of years there was just one continent and he's looking now from above the earth and he sees this little turtle swim about 50 50 uh, miles across the bay to lay its eggs Mm -hmm. and then as he watches that one continent starts to break up and now that little 50 mile swim across the bay is it's now you know 150 miles then it's 500 miles then the continents keep going and going and now this poor turtle is now swimming 1,200, 1,400 miles because once upon a time it was just a short journey and when he woke up he thought did I just watch the unfolding of, of the continental plates? I mean did I just see continental drift occur because inside of me buried in some deep level is this unconscious knowledge of how the earth formed and, and how this stuff happened so, so, so that's just one example of kind of a collective unconscious from that kind of evolutionary viewpoint of understanding. But then when you get to other examples that lucid dreamers are coming up with of becoming lucidly aware and asking to experience things, then you, then you get to further out stuff. Like uh, I had one woman um, who was in my online course, and she explained how 
in her family, there was a family secret. And in a lucid dream, her uncle gave her the clue to get it figured out. So she said every uh, summer, their family would get together and the, the extended family would get together and have a big, big picnic. But she could tell that one part of the family just didn't talk to the, the other part of the family. And so she knew there was a family secret. Her parents wouldn't tell her what it was. But one night she was thinking about it, and that night in the dream state, uh, her uncle appeared. So, so we'll just call him Uncle Bob. So Uncle Bob appeared, and she became lucidly aware because she remembered Uncle Bob had passed away uh, five or ten years earlier. Uncle Bob said, if you want to find out the family secret, then you have to go to the county courthouse, go up to the second floor to the room in the northeast corner, and when you get up there, ask for file XY1226. If you do that, then you'll find out the family secret. So, so he didn't tell her the family secret. He just told her where to go and what file to ask for. So later that week, uh, she goes to the county courthouse. She goes to that room. She asks for the file, and they hand her a file that's the court battle that the whole family had when one part of the family sold uh, some acreage that the family held in common, the extended family held in common, without getting the approval of the other people. And so there's a big court battle. So that's when you start to think, okay, where is that information coming from? Is it within the realm of a deceased person who can contact you in a lisa dream? Is it part of a collective unconscious and, and she's just kind of picking it up and, and the figure of Uncle Bob really is an important figure. It's just kind of a way of getting the information to her. But, but again, you, you start, when you start getting information outside of your own knowledge, that's when you really, that's part of the beauty of lucid dreaming, but that's when you really start to wonder, okay, what, what are we involved with here? Because so often we stay in our ego box, you know, our waking self, our ego box, oh, my knowledge, it came from all my school lessons and what I've been reading and checking out on the internet. But in a lucid dream, when you tap into this larger knowledge, you just have to ask yourself, where is this coming from? And then later when you can verify it as being valid, uh, th- then it makes it even more striking. Yeah, definitely. Great, great stories. And I want to dive in deep into that, but which ties into that a little bit is I remember when you were last on the podcast, I think it was the last conversation I did, did with you, and you were speaking about the larger awareness. Yeah. Before I want to dive too deep, I wanted you to sort of just go over that story where you initially first came across that larger awareness because I think it's a, a sort of a, a powerful piece in the puddle, puddle in the in the puzzle, really. <laughs> yeah, so or the puddle, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so just to explain how how all this happened. So um, I taught myself how to lucid dream in 1975 when I was uh, junior in high school. Uh, and the scientific evidence didn't emerge until 1981. So there's about five or six years I was learning all about lucid dreaming, nobody to talk to, hardly any information out there that, that I could revert to. But jumping ahead 10 years to 1985, then I was part of a lucid dreaming exploring group. And every month we had a goal to achieve. And one month, I, I think it was March of uh, 1985, the goal was find out what the dream figures in your lucid dream represent. And so I thought, this is a piece of cake. I I could do this. And so um, I was on a business trip to Chicago. Um, I saw my hands. I realized I was dreaming. I followed a woman into an office and there's three women and this one guy in a three-piece suit. And I remembered that, oh yeah, I'm supposed to find out what someone represents. I go up to the guy in the three-piece suit and I say, excuse me, what do you represent? And suddenly, instead of him responding, a voice boomed out from above, half of a response. 
And so, so I felt really confused by all this. And, and I said, what? And then it boarded out an entire response that made sense. When I woke up in the morning, I thought, okay, that's what that guy represented. But the bigger question is, where did this invisible voice come from that boomed out a response? And so after that, in my lucid dreams, I began to ignore dream figures, unless they were really energetic or doing something important. I'd ignore dream figures, and I'd just shout out questions to what I called the awareness behind the dream. Like, hey, dream, show me something important for me to see. And then when I'd do that, normally something would change in the lucid dream. Either one little thing would appear or or the entire lucid dream would flip around and be totally different. And, and so that that's how I got into it. And I kept exploring how deep is its knowledge? How deep is its knowing? Conceptually, could it? Could I ask for conceptual experiences? And, and I'll tell you, this awareness behind the dream, it seems to have a near infinite creativity and a near infinite wealth of knowledge. Plus, not only that, it'll also stop you when you're getting ready to do something stupid. And so I can give you examples of that as well. Yeah, yeah. I want to actually, <laughs> before you go there as well, there's so much. Honestly, this I knew this was going to be a good podcast, but there's so much. I wanted to ask you, what, ask you what sort of things have you been experimenting with the larger awareness? What yeah. sort of questions have you been asking it? Yeah, so um, um, so, so here, here was one of my early on questions. Um, 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 I'd been reading a book by Jane Roberts. Uh, in America, they're called the Seth books. Um, and a lot of people have been reading the Seth books. For 30, 40 years. And in her book, she, she says that everybody has a feeling tone, but which is the essence of themselves in this life. And I thought, well, wait a second. Is it feeling? Is it tone? What, what do you mean feeling tone? And so in a lucid dream, I ignored all the dream figures and I shouted out, hey, I want to hear my feeling tone. And that's when I began to hear this. this I saw this little dot appear high above me and from it was coming this high-pitched Oh, awesome. And, and then as I watched, this dot started to make a cone of vibrating. Oh, and then it just kept getting bigger and bigger, this cone of vibrating oh, until it vibrated me out of existence. Yes. And, and then my awareness took took um, refuge or, or some part of my awareness took refuge in this larger awareness that was watching this vibrating cone. And then that awareness thought, oh, I need to recapitulate that one. Now, which one was he? And it, it, he starts going through his vast mind. And finally, when he remembers Robert Wagoner, all of a sudden, I find myself in a lucid dream looking at the house I'm sleeping in. My fingers are glowing gold from a, in a mudra. I didn't even know what a mudra was at the time. And I, I thought, what just happened to me? And I thought, oh, is that awesome? sound? Anyway, years later, um, I realized a couple things. In Hindu and, and Vedic knowledge, they always talk about the phenomenal world is created by virtue of, of sound uh, emerging from seed syllables, these little dots that, that, that are sending out these mantra sounds that, that bring phenomenal world into existence. And, and what was even more interesting is that the ah sound is actually the sound that's connected to dream yoga in the Buddhist um, um uh, dream yoga uh, thing that the Sanskrit ah is connected with becoming lucid and um, and dream yoga. So so anyway, uh, so that's that's you know one concept. But I've had other experiences 
and, and I, I want to tell people that sometimes the experiences are so powerful th- that you you feel like you've had your mind blown. Like uh, one time I asked, let me experience the energy of the universe. And all of a sudden the dream slit open like somebody had cut a slit through it. And through that slit was coming this brilliant white light that I felt as energy coming into my body, the palms of my hands, my forehead. It, it was incredibly intense. I mean, it was like someone had opened up a, um, a fire hose or something. It was just shooting energy into you. Yeah. And, uh, after after about a minute or two, I, I couldn't take it anymore. So I, so I said, "Stop! Time out! Stop!" <laughs> and, and thankfully, the awareness behind the dream uh, will listen when you say "stop" or I can't take it anymore. And, and that, that, that's one of the beautiful things is uh, sometimes now when I know I'm going to have a profound conceptual experience, I'll announce to the awareness behind the dream, "Now let me experience whatever it is." but for just one minute. Mm, bad tactic. Uh, and what's wild is, so suddenly you're catapulted into this really deep conceptual experience, and then at the end of one minute, boom, you're back in a regular lucid dream. And it, it's kind of a beautiful thing to see how this larger awareness, it listens to you, it cares about you. Um, one time my friend Ed Kellogg, he announced um, in his lucid dream, he, he's really into quantum physics, uh, modern physics, and, and he wanted to understand what a superstring is. And, and so he, he announced, you know, now by the power of Alka-Hest, let a superstring manifest. And he said suddenly this non-visible voice, the, the awareness behind the dream, told him, it does not seem a good idea to do an experiment of this type at this time as you seem too uh, unfocused and distracted. And Ed admitted that uh, in the lucid dream landscape, there was a woman over in a bathing suit not too far <laughs> yeah, away. <laughs> uh, and, and, and then it basically told him that he could have the experience when he was ready for the immensity and the enormity of what he was asking for. Um, my co-author, Carolyn McCready, one time in a lucid dream, she announced, now let me see my energy body. And suddenly in front of her appeared this kind of hologram of a body but she could see spinning disc within the body, and then there were various uh, astrological symbols. Uh, yeah, like, the, like the chakras or something. That's, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, that's what I assume. That's definitely what it sounded like. But, but certain astrological symbols were by certain ones that seemed to suggest something. And she, she was just blown away seeing that. Because it often makes you wonder, how did all these ancient guys, you know, the ancient Vedas and all that, how did they get their information? But in a lucid dream, when you see it displayed like that, you go, oh, now I get it. Now I see how somebody could could conceptually get that kind of deep information and be able to figure it out. But anyway, what was funny about uh, Carolyn McCready's uh, experience is uh, a couple weeks later, she, she became lucid again. And this time she announced, now let my energy body be perfectly aligned. And suddenly the awareness behind the dream said, told her, you do not want to do this as it would serve to remove all the unique personality characteristics of yourself. Wow. So, so, so I think, you know, all of us in some ways are kind of misaligned. I mean, we're, we're not all divine beings who would probably be perfectly aligned. And those misalignments um, give us our unique personality traits, our, our yeah, unique so. characteristics. And basically, it was telling her, 
don't try to perfectly align your energy body because you're basically erasing what you know of as yourself. And anyways, the, the wonderful thing about lucid dreaming and when you deal with this conceptual awareness, you realize that it actually cares for you. It, it, it keeps you from too stupid stuff. Like a teacher, it'll let you learn. And, and you know, if, if, if you need to learn by stubbing your toe or, or, or whatever, it'll let you do that. Yeah. But, but when it comes to really uh, serious stuff, uh, oftentimes it'll put up the red flag and say, hey, you, you do not, you're not ready for it or don't go there. Or, or you might just be wrong uh, with your basic question. Yeah, I love that. I want to actually ask you, what if, because you've you've been lucid dreaming for a very long time now, and I want to ask you what sort of questions are you asking that larger awareness now? Because then your questions must be completely different to what they were in the past. Yeah, yeah. Um, f- for myself, uh, I've been exploring the nature of awareness, and. Um, um, Part of the problem as you go deeper into lucid dreaming and start to explore kind of these uh, more cosmic uh, concepts, when you have the lucid dream experience and you observe and experience whatever, when you come out of the lucid dream, it's almost literally hard to put it down into words. Yeah, beyond language. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just so truly incredible. But, but, I, I have seen things that have just made me go, oh my God, and and also helped me understand how certain things began. Like, I'm, I'm not gonna go into the details, but, but um, uh, you know, sometimes uh, there's the Kabbalah and um, kind of the ancient uh, Judaic yeah, yeah. mystical tradition and stuff. So, sometimes I've seen things that have, have explained some of their philosophical uh, underpinnings is what I'd call it, but but it's it's just it's just truly phenomenal when you keep going deeper, that it just seems there's no end to the creativity, and also there's no end to the the, the vast the vast knowledge. Um, but I've played around with a lot of things. Uh, I remember about 20 years ago, um, I played around with uh, discovering uh, past life aspects of myself. And I, I found that other utterly fascinating, and but I just did it for about nine months and and um, left it at that. But anyway, the beautiful thing is, lucid dreaming is an open platform. You know, if you want to be a better cook, lucid dreaming can help you be a better cook. You know, if you want to figure no one, out, no one listens to this podcast wants to be a cook. <laughs> <laughs> we want to know the nature of reality. <laughs> Everybody likes a good meal, but uh, you know, if if you want to be a, a better musician, lucid dreaming can help you be a better musician, and, and all that kind of stuff. But lucid dreaming can also help you explore these heavy, really far out questions. And, and and when you read about the lives of people like Einstein and and even Wolfgang Pauli, who's kind of the father of modern physics, he was a client of Carl Jung's. And when he became a client of Carl Jung's, he started having so many synchronicities occur. He started to think, well, how can physics explain synchronicities? And so and so he wrote a whole book on synchronicity and and how do you explain these acausal relationships? You know that you're. You're thinking about somebody you haven't seen in five years, and you're really thinking about him, and you turn the corner in the street, and there he is. He's waiting for the bus, and you go, whoa, how, how did that happen? So, so, so I'll tell you, if you want to have big, lucid dreams, start thinking about big stuff. 
I mean, really get involved in some of these big ideas because when you do that, you generate mental energy or a mental intent that, that'll, that'll later, it just has to be expressed. And, and uh, if you become lucid, um, uh, sometimes you'll get the answer to some of those big questions. Yeah, I love that. I wanted to try and dive a bit deeper. I know you tried to sort of uh, sidestep a little bit because I think yeah. when you, because like you said, I think when you, when you start talking about these experiences, you're also, in your own self, you're mindful of the audience because some of these topics and the words that you use are classed as sort of woo-woo-y. And also, as well, like you said, it's for your own self in this reality. It's hard to contextualize it. Yeah. But I wanted to try and just dig a bit deeper, if I can, scratch a little bit deeper. What sort yeah. of, what what deeper questions are you asking that larger awareness? And what, what are you playing with? And what experiences are you having? I know you said it's hard to contextualize it, but... Okay. Give us the secrets of the universe. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... Um, so, so yeah, it's th- this does get really deep, um, and, and just to help people kind of understand. So, so you got to realize I started lucid dreaming in 1975. The scientific evidence came out in 1981, so then I could actually talk to other people about it and all. That's what uh, I see as well. Bear in mind as well, I will. The audience who listen to these conversations are people who are who are experiencing this these things themselves. So, yeah, yeah, you don't have to be. It's not. This is not an audience that's right, right. That's so, skeptical. But 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 here's so. But it's also important what you see yeah, as well. So so in '85, uh, that's when I realized that there's an awareness behind the dream, and I began to interact with the awareness behind the dream. But then it was in 1995, I decided that. I came to a point where I realized that the lucid dream was a creation of my beliefs, expectations, focus, intent, and the larger awareness. A regular dream was a creation of my larger awareness and my own mindset, my own beliefs, expectations, focus, intent. And then I came to realize that even waking reality is a co-creation of of the larger awareness and our own beliefs, expectations, focus, intent, emotions, and all, and and also um, here in the physical reality, interacting with with everyone else's, and and that's when I decided to try and go beyond lucid dreaming, and, and so what what started to happen as I began to ponder, okay, if my beliefs and expectation and focus are helping to prop up this reality, then that means or the experience of this reality, then that means I have to begin to let go of that. So I I needed to let go of belief and expectation, let go of self-history and all that. And when I started to realize that, um, some nights I'd fall asleep and the entire night would be blue light. You know, there there was no me, no action, no plot, no symbols, just the entire night, blue light. And and I remember the first time that happened, I, I woke up from it and thought, what do, what do I put in my dream journal? Blue light? I mean, you know, not, nothing really happened. And, and then, then it was a few weeks later, I was having a, you know, the, the blue light experience kept happening um, intermittently um, th- throughout the next few weeks. And, and one morning I went down to the breakfast table and my wife looked at me and, and she goes, she goes, Robert, what, what's happening to you? And I, I said, what do you mean what's happening to me? She said, last night, I looked at your face, and I've never seen somebody in such bliss before. She, she said, it, it, it's, it's actually worrying me. You know, how, what, what's happening? And I told her, I'm trying to understand the actual nature of reality, and I'm having some really bizarre experiences. And, and one of them was uh, an entire night of, of just light. But this, this went even further and further and further until finally... 
one night as I was falling asleep, my larger awareness basically uh, told me that if I truly wanted to go the entire distance, uh, that I might cease to be. And and I want to tell you, I, I heard that very clearly as I was falling asleep, and I told my larger awareness, I said, because I had interacted with my larger awareness so much over those preceding 10 years, I knew it existed in fact, and also I knew it existed within a larger context that, that in some ways even almost made my ego self seem uh, uh, not fun, of fundamental importance in the whole big scheme of things. And, and so I, I told it that I truly wanted to understand. That was my intent all along in lucid dreaming. I just want to understand the nature of things. You know, I, I, don't, I don't want a big award. I don't want, you know, any of that stuff. But anyway, so as I was falling asleep, I, I told it that I needed to know because otherwise all this was going to be a tragic comedy. And that night, if you can imagine, if you can imagine pure awareness being aware within pure awareness. And and this experience occurs and then comes to an end and now i'm standing next to a guy in a robe and i said was that a lucid dream and he goes oh no to enter a lucid dream go here and i step into the space that he indicated and then all of a sudden i'm going through this tunnel of light and then i come up through the floor into a lucid dream totally lucidly aware and have a lucid dream but when I woke up in the morning, I thought, what was that first part, that, that, that part of the, of the awareness, aware within aware light? And it was about three years later, I heard uh, Tenzin Wangyal Rinpoche, who, who wrote the Tibetan Yoga's Dream and Sleep. His book had just came out, and, uh, and he stood up there, and he's talking about all this Buddhist stuff that I'd never, ever heard about. And he goes, oh, yes, and the final goal of dream yoga is the awareness of the clear light by awareness itself so it's a non-dual experience it's awareness aware of awareness uh, so, so there's no me it um, uh, it's it's a non-dual um, uh, experience a non-dual event and I, I was just blown away I was blown away to hear that I'd kind of bushwhacked my way um, through that so so I'd, I'd say for for people out there that, that that's a wonderful way to go but if you want to explore like spiritual concepts, what I would say is don't try to find Buddha. Don't try to find God. <laughs> don't, don't, don't try to, to do that because normally what happens is people get too excited and they pop out. That happens to me all the time. Yeah, yeah I mean, pe- people want to have heavy-duty experiences but, or have these meetings and, and they get so excited they pop out. And so, so it's much better to do, like uh, I've told people, uh, announce in a lucid dream now let me experience unconditional love. And suddenly when this profound experience of unconditional love occurs and you're feeling it at a cellular, cellular level, you, you, you have your mind blown. Or, you know, now let me experience, um, you know, true purity. Now let me experience a moment of samadhi. Whatever it is, ask to experience the quality of the divine, uh, some, some concept like that. But, but for me, myself, um, what I've come to realize is consciousness creates form. Um, in my second book, I have a wonderful technique that anybody can use. You don't even have to be a lucid dreamer. That you can show yourself how your consciousness 
is creating your waking experience around you. And uh, but but what truly interests me is the depths of awareness, the nature of awareness. And again, I appreciate the questions, but some <laughs> but some of these experiences are so kind of um, uh, difficult to talk about that, that that even to sit here and talk about them is it's a tough it's a tough one. So. Yeah, definitely. Yep. I was gonna, and I love that by the way. I was just trying to sort of tease it, tease it out. You know what I mean? But I wanted to. I did also wanted to sort of, um, yeah. When you were when you were saying before about, um, you made a very interesting point where you were talking about. You suggested that consciousness may be sort of creating this reality we're in now. I wanted to ask you about, about that because when when I've had a lot of lucid dreams, even not even just lucid dreams. I mean, I, I bet you everyone can sort of sort of um, relate to this. Even if you have a vivid dream, you sometimes come out with that vivid dream and you. I mean, this is what I do anyway. I come out of that dream and I go, I wake up in the morning or wake up from the dream, so to say, and I look around at the room and I think that this reality that we're in now is no different to that to the dream realm. It doesn't. I know the, the lucid dream realm is a bit more malleable and stuff like yeah, that, yeah. but it's there's still a lot of sort of there's physical aspects in that that yeah. feel exactly the same. And I when I come out of there, I feel like yes, my consciousness could be having the same effect in the dream realm to what it is now. Yeah. Do you do you feel that as well? Well, I, I definitely did as I was going um, into lucid dreaming. Um, when you're truly fully lucid and you begin to experience things and, and the wall feels so cool and nubby and, and you know, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at a shaker of salt and I can see the salt crystals and the light, you know, yeah. uh, shining off of them. I think, look at the detail here. Look at the incredible amount of detail that that somehow is being projected out of my mind into this experience and and then you begin to realize how you could have a mental experience that could last for a thousand years i i mean you know when people talk to me about the after-death experience so i'll tell you when, when i was a little kid i i i was the big questions were the only questions that really interest me so I, I remember in my high school, I, I wrote a paper. We had to write a 20-page junior paper. So I wrote it on the concept of heaven in major religions. And as I wrote this paper, I thought, boy, this Christian heaven sounds like a total bore. Yeah. You know, you, you, you achieve the heavenly realm, and then for the rest of eternity, you, you kind of sit around, you know, praising God and, and, and all. And, and there's nothing wrong with praising God. I'm all for praising God. But to do it for an eternity... Sounded like a total, complete, utter bore. But when you become lucidly aware and begin to interact with that realm, then you realize how the mental realm can still have purpose and meaning and growth and value fulfillment. You can you can resolve fears. You can uh, expand your comfort zone. You can see what limiting beliefs you have that, that keep you from being your most fulfilled self. And, and you start to realize that, wow, this, this lucid dream state is as interesting, if not more so, than the waking world. Definitely. And all of a sudden, when they start to achieve the same value, and, and maybe even lucid dreaming is a little bit more interesting, I hate to say it, but but when you realize that, you go, wow, wow, this, this is really a, a far out thing. Because we're, we're so focused on the physical realm, physical realm's all great. But when you start to see these mental realms of growth and maturity and insight and development, 
then you go, wow, it's it's a much more uh, uh, mind-expanding viewpoint than just, oh, yeah, there's this physical reality and and then you die. Yeah, definitely. From A question I want to ask you as well is, have you, because within the lucid dream realm, it, it's clearly to say that it's a lot more malleable than this physical reality now. Have you... Have you sort? Of, how have you transitioned that over to this reality? Because I mean, for me, when I'm having lucid dreams, it makes me. Cl- cl- um, it's give, like when you've talked about the larger, the larger awareness before, and there's something behind it. I get a sense that what we're in now has some sort of a large awareness, and yeah. I feel that in my own life when you start tuning into it, whatever you want to call it, you can start. Even this reality now becomes a lot more malleable. You can start projecting things in your mind. Things come true. How how have you played with that? Well, so, so in general. Um, um, there's a lot of wonderful ways that you can use the lucid dreaming state to help improve or assist your waking state. Um, you know, in both my books, I have chapters on lucid dreamers who have used it to heal their physical body. And then there's even some just far out stories of lucid dreamers who have used it to heal others. And normally it's a family member who's concerned about another family member who has an ailment and, and in the lucid dream after getting their permission in the waking state in the lucid dream uh, heals them. There's, there's a wonderful one, if you don't mind uh, yeah, hearing yeah. about this. Um, so in my magazine, The Lucid Dreaming Experience, uh, there's a woman, um, Jenny Miller, um, who shared what her lucid dream experience had been. Her father, uh, his blood levels uh, started to show that he had developed leukemia. And it got so bad that the doctor said, okay, now we're going to start doing chemotherapy. And so the daughter didn't want to see her father go through this, didn't want to see him go through chemotherapy and all, and all that stuff. So she asked him, uh, would you mind if I came in a lucid dream and tried to heal you? And he said, sure, he, he would take any, any kind of assistance. And so that week she became lucidly aware. Um, she found herself at the mall when she became lucidly aware. I, I thought it was hilarious. She, she picked up her mobile and called her father and told him to come to the mall so, so, so she could heal him. Anyway, he appears uh, in his truck, comes out of his truck, kneels down in front of her. She puts her hands on him and asks for, basically, for the divine to completely heal him. And she said at that moment, light is coming out of his face. And so she knows that something really powerful is happening. And and she, she asks the divine to completely heal him. Anyway, she wakes up. They go to the hospital. The next blood tests show that he no longer has leukemia. And so the doctor thinks, oh, there's something weird going on here. So she orders, a, the, do- the doctor's a woman, orders a CAT scan. Or, when they do the CAT scan, not only does he not have leukemia anymore, but this large mass that had been on his liver is no longer there either. Because remember, the woman asked for a complete healing. She didn't specify, now let him be healed of leukemia. She asked for a complete healing. So, so, so. I mean, they were the whole family was ecstatic, and, and, as as they have a right to be. But, but you you can see a very practical way. The one thing, though, for a lot of young people who are involved in lucid dreaming, um, you know, most of them are happy, healthy uh, young people, and that's great. And, and, but I want to tell you, if if you're suffering from a medical ailment and you can use lucid dreaming to assist yourself, it, it's a big thing. But anyway, um, so besides uh, physical healing, you can also use lucid dreaming for emotional healing. You can use lucid dreaming to get uh, creative ideas and solutions that you can uh, then work out and, and see if they work in, in, the, in the waking world. 
Um, besides, besides all of that, um, you can use lucid dreaming for spiritual growth. Um, in our, our second book, Lucid Dreaming, Plain and Simple, uh, we, we talked to one uh, woman, uh, Claire Johnson, and in a lot of her lucid dreams, she meditates. And, and um, the, the first time I meditated in a lucid dream, it, it, was, it was a mind-blowing experience. It, it was just truly cosmic. And, and so, so she also has really powerful lucid dream meditations because what happens is suddenly, um, within 30 seconds a minute, you're in a very deep place, really uh, incredible sense of transcendence and and kind of oneness. And so what, what Claire said is after meditating in her lucid dreams for five or six times, she noticed that in the waking state, what used to take her 20 minutes to get to that deep level in a meditation, now it took five minutes. And so it's like by doing it in the lucid dream state, you clear out all the conflicts and all the snags and whatever, and you just make it happen. And so now think think of someone like me. So uh, since 1985, I've been interacting with the awareness behind the dream. Um, About 10 years ago, one day, um, I'm meditating in my uh, living room. So again, I'm totally awake. I know I'm sitting in my red chair in the living room. And I get down really deep and I can feel my larger awareness. And and so, like I tell people, when you deal with the larger awareness or, or a dream figure, always ask an open-ended question. So I, so I said, larger awareness, what do you have to say to me? And, and I heard just as clear as day, we want you to send $10,000 to your friend Paul back in your hometown. And I thought, what? And, and I, I just popped out of that uh, waking meditation, and I thought, boy, that was weird. That was just too weird. So the next day I'm meditating again, I get down deep, and now I feel my larger awareness Plus the deceased mother of my friend Paul. I just feel the energies. You know, you just yeah. you just feel it. And I reach out again and say, "Hey, uh, awareness, what do you have to say to me?" And, and it says, "We want you to send ten thousand dollars to your friend Paul back in your hometown." And and so when I woke up, or I didn't wake up when I came out of the meditation, I went to talk to my wife and I said, "If I ever had the same dream twice in a row, I'd do something." And this has happened twice in the waking state. And, and so I, I know we have to do something. Cancel the bank account. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, so what, what we did, my, so my, my wife goes, let's send Paul a letter. Say, uh, Paul, we're your good friends. Uh, we've known you forever. Here's a check for $1,000. If you need more financial help, let us know. Just just whatever. And, and so, so we wrote him a check for 1000 You know, I thought we might get off for just 10%, but, but we wrote him a check for 1000 and put it in the mail. Um, he, he lives a couple states away uh, in my hometown. Anyway, four days later, he gets the letter. He reads it. He calls me up, and he told me, well, he told me that a week earlier he had gone to his mom's gravesite, and he he yelled at it. If somebody didn't help him, he's going to kill himself. And, and I, I said, Paul, what's going on? And he said, You don't know this, but about two months ago, my dad slipped in in the bathroom and broke his hip and he's been to the hospital and fixed it up as much as they could but now they have him in a nursing home where they say they're going to teach him how to walk again and I know he'll never be able to walk because they're not teaching him how to walk again and so I want $10,000 to build a disabled bathroom on my house so I can have my dad come live with me 
and the state government will give 40 hours of nursing care a week to help help with that. And so we sent him the money. He built the disabled thing. His dad lived with him for six and a half years, and, and his dad walked again and all that kind of stuff. But But again, so what I'm trying to get to is the important thing to realize in all of this is that is that the larger awareness exists and that the practices that you perform in a lucid dream can begin to alter your mental experience, the, you know, the, the capabilities of your mind. So, so for me personally, a lot of times I just have uh, extraordinary intuitions just come to me out of the blue. And, um, and I think it's because I've gotten into the habit of interacting with the larger awareness so much that that now that now the uh, intuitions can come through easily, and, and I accept that there is within my awareness a larger awareness that that has a greater sense of all this. Yeah, that was a powerful um, story, by the way. And I, I really wanted to ask you in terms of the larger awareness and what what do you think that is? I mean, have you have you actually sort of tried to contextualize what that actually what's going on there? You know, it's funny. Um, um, I was at a recent um, dream conference. It's part of the International Association for the Study of Dreams um, that, that I've been a member of for 22 years and uh, also a past president of. But, but I was talking to one of my uh, good friends who's taken my online workshop a couple times. And, and she told me um, she's had five lucid dreams now where she's tried to get the larger awareness to uh, say its name. <laughs> but, but, but every time it, it, it equivocates and, and, and won't give her a response. And, and so uh, it, it, it kind of reminds me, uh, I, I think there's some uh, Old Testament stories of someone trying to do the same thing and, and hearing I am who I am and, and, and that kind of thing. Just so, shouts uh, out, Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So, so, uh, so, so in basic terms, I, I don't think you're going to get much of a name. And it was interesting. One time I was doing an online workshop, and there was this great lucid dreamer from New York City, uh, just a wonderful guy. Every time he asked a question of, the, of his larger awareness, it would respond with a Zen koan, like, who is the you that asked this question? And, and he'd wake up, you know, he, he asked for something or made some request, and, and then he'd hear a, a Zen question in response. And, and during the workshop, he, he had like five experiences like this, and all the questions that the larger awareness asked him back were, were just powerful kind of Zen things that you could think about, you know, for two or three decades and, and maybe never unravel. And so, so people are going to have different experiences is what I'm trying to get to say. And I think it's connected to you in this place in self and time. But, but I do want to go back to, to my earlier talk about the lucid dream in which I asked to experience my feeling tone. And, and then I got vibrated out of existence. And then this larger awareness tried to remember, now which one was he? And so what I think your larger awareness might be is all the collections of all of your past and future lives. It's kind of the source self for that kind of source energy, but, but it's also the, the repository of all that information and knowledge, and also it's greater than all of that. And, and and so that's that's why it had to think now which one was he and 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 do like that so so anyway uh, um, it is a good one to figure out exactly how this all sh- plays out.
But but what I would say behind all of us, if you go far enough back, pure awareness exists. We're all expressions of that pure awareness. And then that pure awareness is being cast out into the physical realm and also into mental dimensions as well so that it can experience creativity, fulfillment, growth, and all. Because that, that's why the universe is expanding. It, it's that, that pure awareness by, by pursuing uh, uh, creativity is becoming, becoming more uh, and, and keeps growing. So, so, so behind all of us is pure awareness. That pure awareness has deeper levels, one of which I call the larger awareness. But when you think back through the ancient history, I mean, in ancient Greek, there were 20-plus words for, for the inner self. You know, there's the, the pneuma, the spirit, the psyche. The, the, they had all these terms because they were so interested in exploring that kind of inner self. And, and I think it's kind of like the ocean. I mean, you can just divide up the ocean in any innumerable ways you want to. But, but nonetheless, it's, it's awareness. It's the ocean. And, and so, so um, it's a hard one to answer. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Because in terms of the question of consciousness, when we look at um, sort of more, more studies now, when we, when we tr- they try and analyze what consciousness is, they, they try and analyze sort of the waking state. But I wanted to ask you a question of is what do you think lucid dreaming could sort of teach us about consciousness? Yeah, so, so um, for all of us who uh, take an introduction to psychology course, you know, they, they always show the iceberg metaphor you know that consciousness is everything above the ice and and then there's this giant mass about two-thirds two-thirds larger which is the unconscious and and immediately below the surface is the subconscious but anyway when you can bring your awareness into the dream state which most people consider the state of the unconscious and you can begin to explore, and all of us lucid dreamers are learning the same principles, you know, about how you have to use your beliefs and expectation and your focus and intent. All of a sudden, you start to realize that this unconscious isn't chaos or random or unprincipled. It's actually principled and quite profound. And then when you use my techniques and begin to interact with the awareness behind the dream, then you see that there's this whole other layer of creativity uh, that explains a lot of the creativity that's come to the world through dreaming. So, so, so I don't think we'll ever be able to understand consciousness until we understand its foundation in the unconscious. And, and so a lot of times, you know, um, people send me books on consciousness and, and it's really heady stuff, but I never see chapters on lucid dreaming. They might give it a paragraph or two, but, but people just don't get how lucid dreaming is a wonderful tool to explore the nature of consciousness plus the nature of the unconscious. And, and again, that's why the Indian Buddhist yogi uh, Naropa called dream yoga, lucid dreaming, one of the six pathways to enlightenment. It shows the, the true nature of things. Yeah, I love that. I wanted A question I want to ask you as well, and sort of related to that, yeah, that's what I that's what I want to ask you. Do you think there's a lot more? Do you think there's a lot more hidden than there is conscious? That's what I want to ask you. So, so one thing I 
I believe, is that really when it comes to the use of our own consciousness, that, that really we're operating at about 20 or 25 percent of its capabilities. What I see in my lucid dreaming is when you have clear intent, when you know precisely what you want to do with, without any concerns or any other um, um, snags that, that keep the fullness from occurring, then you can have extraordinarily powerful experiences. And, but in the waking state, what happens is that so many of our beliefs conflict. And so all this energy is coming from pure awareness, and you can say it's coming through the larger awareness into your ego waking self and all. But our ego waking self is caught up in all these belief conflicts, cultural issues, social norms, and all. And so, so when all that energy comes, it starts to get slowed down as it gets filtered through all those conflicting ideas that we have. And that's why you see when people don't have conflicts, suddenly all this energy and power emerges. They, they just, they're just totally into whatever, whatever it is they're into because they've let go of the conflict. They, they've resolved the beliefs. They've, they've uh, let go of also of the limiting beliefs because that's, a, that's the other part of it. When, when we're brought up as little kids just to kind of not learn any inner abilities, we could be teaching lucid dreaming, you know, to 10-year-old kids. There's been studies in Germany of school children, and, and like 20% of the 8-year-olders were already having lucid dreams. Of course, they didn't have anyone to talk to about it, but when the researcher came in and started to interview them, found out that at least 20% of them were already having lucid dreams. But, but, but that's the problem with consciousness we don't see consciousness operating at its true ideal level and we don't have a system of education that gets consciousness to that place by teaching techniques that, that you can learn during the waking state and also practice and develop and also we don't have a good psychological model our, our model of psychology is is a is a disaster it's 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 going to be totally revolutionarily changed i know it's complex but but the whole field of psychology is a complex field and difficult for science to kind of wrap its wrap its head around it because of all the variables involved but but someday someday i think we'll look back and we'll realize that we're operating operating at 25 or 30 percent of our ability and, and it could be so much higher do you, do you think within the dream, I mean, do you think the dream to sort of go beyond the conscious mind, sort of say, do you do you think the, I mean, that's a question we ask, actually, actually I'm going to change my question, actually, have you ever went beyond the conscious mind in the dream? And is that possible? Right. So, uh, I know that's a big question. Yeah. So, so you could definitely say that, that, um, that, when I started to uh, have the experiences of light and, and then the one night when my larger awareness told me that if I wanted to go the whole distance, I might cease to be, that would be going beyond consciousness because you move from consciousness and consciousness is always involved in relating. Yeah. It's, it's always a consciousness of or a relation to. When you get to non-duality, it's awareness within awareness. And so so there's there's a 
there's non-duality uh, occurring there. So, so, so you can't go beyond consciousness. You, you, you can uh, use that. But I, I, think, I think more to your point, though, is what happens, ideally, is what Carl Jung said was the purpose of all this, which was integration with the unconscious mind. Because once you realize the creativity and the power of the unconscious, as you begin to let go of your ego uh, peculiarities and your ego preferences and begin to merge with the uh, unconscious on occasion, then when you see its wisdom and all, so, so that, that's when you start listening to intuitions during the day. Like, like for example, um, there was one day I wanted to talk to somebody, but I didn't know how to do it because it's not somebody uh, I really know that well. And, uh, and, and later that day, um, I'm driving to the grocery store. My inner awareness tells me to go park over there. But I, I tell my inner awareness, oh, there's a better parking spot right near the front door over there. And, and so, so I go park at the better parking spot. And then I look back to where it encouraged me to park. And getting out of the car next to it was this person I wanted to see. But now that I'd parked uh, far away, uh, now it would seem like a kind of heavy-handed way of seeing them instead of a chance encounter. So it was like my larger awareness already knew that the chance encounter was coming up, but I had to listen to my intuition in order for it to occur. So, So again, it's about integrating the unconscious with the conscious mind so that the conscious person can become more than what they were. Because I know, obviously, so far in the podcast, I've sort of went out right into the realms of the woo, sort of say. But I want to, I want to ask you how much, how much of the dream do you feel sort of assembles a part of our our unconscious mind? Because when I'm in, in the dream realm, like it is, it is sort of good exploring all these different, these sort of bigger questions and things. Right. But there's an aspect of in the dream where I do feel that there's a a large chunk of that is my uh, unconscious mind is sort of projecting things within there. How much do you th- feel that's a part of it? Right. Well. Well, 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 it's definitely a, a a good share of it uh, in most in most experiences because if you become lucidly aware and you fly through a wall and on the other side you see a castle and a white horse, you know who put that there? I mean, the unconscious put it there. You, the lucid dreamer, didn't decide. Oh, when I fly through this wall, I'm going to see a castle and a white horse. It it just occurred automatically, and and so so uh, just like um, whoops, our physical processes, uh, the the unconscious is also automatically um, putting in the right elements to to kind of meet our level of expectation and also so so the unconscious is naturally playing a big part but but you realize the other side of the unconscious when you just call out for it like one time I asked hey dream show me my life as if it was a painting and suddenly in the sky, here's this 80-foot painting that's 30 feet high. And I'm like, look at the creativity that occurred in a microsecond. I mean, how how, how creative is this awareness that it could come up with a painting of that vastness and detail uh, so quickly? So, 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 so there's kind of the base level automatic unconscious, but then there's this larger unconscious, which, which is uh, uh, accessible as well. Yeah, because I wanted to touch on that because obviously in a lot of a lot of dreams that I have is, and I know obviously a lot of people is going to be relating to this because a lot of people say, well, what's this? What's this experience? How 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 hard do you think it is? I know because I'm at the minute I'm reading, uh, I think it's Carl Jung's book, uh, Dream Interpretations. 
it's a long book as well I think yeah, it's yeah. 24 hours long or something it's, it's a really long book it's really meaty as well yeah. but because uh, obviously a lot of people do want to try and un- uncover how do we how do we sort of analyze dreams do you think it's fully fully is it fully possible to analyze your own dreams well um i remember one time um so so uh, my, my father passed away when he was 82 uh, so this is about 20 years ago and um so i i thought I'll, I'll wait a few months and then i'll find him in a lucid dream and so about three months later after he passed uh i decided oh I became lucid, and I thought, oh, this is my chance. I'm going to go uh, fi- find my f- father and see how he's doing. And, and it was really amazing. At that moment, all the dream figures told me it was a bad idea. Th- they told me, it's not time. Don't do it. It's not time. And, and as, since they were all in unanimous accord, I, I, I began to think, you know, m- maybe they're right. M- m- maybe uh, maybe my dad needs more time. Maybe I need more time to, to heal through my grief or whatever. So, so anyway, because they were all unanimous and they were so intelligent, I made them explain every symbol in that dream. And, and so I'd point at something and I'd say, what's the symbolism behind this? And, and they just sat there and explained everything. They explained all the symbols. And I have to tell you, it's a, it's a wild experience to have knowledgeable dream figures start to explain the dream symbolism uh, as it occurs in the dream. But if you're on the lucid dreaming path, I really encourage you to try to learn about dream symbolism. Because again, when you interact with the awareness behind the dream, sometimes it'll give you a literal response, but sometimes it'll give you a symbolic response. And an example of that is... um, one time, so, so I've been married for, I don't know, 35 years now. And um, so, so probably about 15 years ago, uh, um, I knew my wife's birthday was coming up. And I thought, oh, gosh, I have to, have to get her a present. And so I became lucidly aware that week. And I shouted out to the awareness behind the dream, show me what my wife would like for a present, <laughs> uh, for a birthday present. And suddenly, over here in the, in the lucid dream, a little teddy bear appears. You know, these little teddy bears that especially little kids and stuff uh, carry around. And I, even in the lucid dream, I'm thinking, what? My, my wife wants a teddy bear? And, and so, so I woke up. And so at the breakfast table, I kind of uh, brought it up and I was, you know, saying, oh, you know, your birthday's coming up here in a few days or a week or something. And uh, do, you, do you think you'd want a teddy bear? <laughs> and she, she looked at me like I was bloody insane. She, 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 she looked at me like I totally lost it. And then that's when it hit me. In America, a teddy bear is a guy who's lovable and understanding uh, and you can cuddle with and he cares about you and and uh you know he's just he's just warm and fuzzy and all that kind of stuff and then i realized oh my wife wants me to become a teddy bear warm and fuzzy and lovable and caring and kind and all those things that i thought i was doing pretty good job with but but apparently i could have done better so so that that's when i uh it actually uh uh, was very helpful to, to realize that so again sometimes the larger awareness responds literally and sometimes it responds symbolically i have had some people when they see the symbolic response say i'm so sorry i don't get it make it so simple that anyone could understand and then something new will appear that's so simple that that they finally get so so but it does help if you really want to get if you're on the lucid dreaming path or just on the dream path 
beginning to learn your own personal dream symbology can really just make everything so much easier and, and you'll get a much quicker understanding of uh, of of what what the energy of the unconscious what it's showing you is your next step and and the issues that you're facing and how to resolve them so so dream interpretation is a big big area something that everyone ought to get into obviously to, to go to sort of um to go a little deeper again because obviously i love going deep on this podcast i wanted to ask you have you actually had any experiences where sort of the dream figures have become aware before you've become before you were aware yeah yeah it, it, it's really incredible what happens uh so so one time um i was in this group and there's, there's a guy with a guitar and he kept playing the same kind of corny song over and over again and about the fifth time he was going through this stupid song again, I thought, wait a second, this is too stupid. This has to be a dream. And, and I became lucidly aware. And then when I became lucidly aware, all the dream figures started to clap and, and laugh and pat me on the back for becoming lucid. And then I remembered they had done the same thing the night before, but I failed to become lucid. And, and so they were doing it again in order to help me become lucid. So, so sometimes you have, um, again, the, the psyche is much more complicated than people understand, but sometimes you have these, I call them independent agents. They're parts of the psyche that, that have gotten so much energy that they've also developed their own kind of uh, smaller form of conscious awareness. But, but in this particular uh, dream experience, they were literally there trying to help me become lucid so that then they could relate to me as a lucid person instead of just as a, as a stupid person. I like that. No, it's really interesting because when you said there about how you said this, have some form of consciousness, because when, cause with the, the question of dream figures is a big one for me because obviously I know what you've said in the past is if you see dream figures, you, you shout out to the dream itself. Could all dream figures sort of disappear? Oh, no, what you say is all thought forms all, must disappear. Because something that's just formed by your thought is, is just projected mental energy. And, and sometimes you'll see all the dream figures disappear. Sometimes half of them will disappear. So you say it could all thought forms disappear? Yeah. Now all thought forms must disappear and sometimes all, sometimes part. And then the ones who are re remaining, they look at you like, couldn't you tell that, that I wasn't like those other guys, you know, who, who were just kind of uh, nebulous beings, you know, that I, I had purpose. And, yeah. And what I want to just say, say on it is because I've had experiences where there has been certain dream figures that have, to, to me, they seem obviously very aware of, 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 of myself right. and I was just wondering have you had any examples where you've where dream, dream figures shocked you or something where you tried to I yeah. don't know just for yeah 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 you know so so, the, so this is one reason why in my books and, and my lectures and workshops I always try to get across this point that the sailor does not control the sea neither does the lucid dreamer control the dream because when you have a dream figure like like one time um I'm walking through this forest and I'm coming down this kind of sandy trail and I look in front of me and here's all these people dressed in like 15th, 16th century French garb. And then I look at myself and I'm wearing green leotards and a green and white silk shirt. And I think, what the hell? And then I realize, oh, this is a dream. And so I go to talk to these people and, we're, and we're, they are just so happy to see me. I mean, I, I assume they're past life aspects. They're so happy to see me. And then I asked one of the women, would you like to go flying with me? And it's so weird to have her grab my arm and literally pull me off the ground. And she's 
she's the form of propulsion who's who's dragging us uh, through the sky and, and it was just so weird to have that kind of feeling so so again there's a certain category of lucid dream figures that that i just call independent agents that they just act independently and and, and uh, but then there are other dream figures so if you meet a deceased loved one sometimes you can tell by the awareness in their eyes that that they're as aware as you are or 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 even maybe more so then occasionally you can meet other dream figures who are just super powerfully aware and um, um, again one thing I want to tell people there's really nothing to be afraid of you in my lucid dreaming history, as I went deeper, there was always a voice behind me would say, trust, nothing to fear. Or I'd see a banner in the sky, trust, nothing to fear. But if you ever meet an aggressive dream figure or, or something, send it whatever it's lacking. So if it's an angry dog, send it love and compassion, and it'll shrink down to a little poodle or something. If it's a, if it's a witch or something, you know, send it whatever it's lacking, and you'll watch it change. And when you watch it change, because you change your mind, then you'll realize, oh, it's a projection of my mind. And that's why it's changing. When I change my mind, it changes. That means that there's a connection there. That means it's a projection of my mind. But there are some of these dream figures, whether it's deceased dream figures or some of these independent agents, there are some that, that are truly, uniquely, profoundly aware. Um, there's There's a... There's at least one that I wish I could go back and talk with this woman because occasionally when a dream figure has light in its eyes, and I mean really um, light in its eyes, um, and she was sitting outside a cave, and she asked me, what did I really want from lucid dreaming? And, and I told her I wanted to send love to others, and she looked at me like I was the biggest freaking idiot in the world and, and I mean this woman had light in her eyes and it was it was like um, later um, I read, read some guy who was writing books on Central American lucid dreaming techniques and he he mentioned that if you ever meet someone with this kind of light in their eyes um, um, it sounded like they were shamans who left the physical form to spend all their time in, in the mental realm and they did it consciously and knowingly, but anyway, wow, that's mind blowing. That by the way, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I'm not, I'm not going to go into the details of that one because because <laughs> I, I I don't want to put uh, too, too many crazy ideas in people's head. But but again, the point is the sailor does not control the sea. You're relating to things. You're relating to them with more awareness. Ninety nine percent of things send it love, compassion, won't have any trouble with it, and all. Um, there's there's a, a certain percentage of dream figures that you really have to treat with respect and there's some who can really educate you about things if you're willing to listen and just don't take it as a big joke I wanted to uh, talk a touch I want to touch back on the like obviously the dream figures because when I've had certain experiences with certain dream figures I mean one one dream in particular always comes to my mind I've, I've, I've explained it quite a few times on the podcast I think I explained it to you in the past you probably don't remember but just to basically cut a long story short I met a dream figure and I had the interaction where he knew I was in a dream 
and no one else in that in the lucid dream was aware that wasn't a dream he was you know how how it is one certain dream figure stands out in particular so then you obviously automatically gravitate towards him right and uh i mean i've tried to question this that one in particular it was one of my first lucid dreams actually after i spoke to you and i've had other dreams where i can i can't i can't contextualize and i'm sort of makes a lot more sense but for some reason with him it's still always in the back of my head and it's never left us and i still get the sense of thinking that i've always tried to contextualize it and just use analytical mind and think oh yes that's part of my conscious mind but this i've analyzed i mean i think it's two years since that now and i still there's still a part of us that thinks does he have his own consciousness i mean yeah i I, I know it's that's out that's really out there but there's just I don't know, and like when you've just said there about you've had said that theory there about how you said certain shamans have actually just sort of just left this physical realm and just now they are just existing in that in there. Yep. It makes me question. I mean, we don't. Let, let's quickly say this because obviously there's a lot of woo, like sort of wooey stuff, and I'm aware that the audience is is open minded to it. But there's there's a there's a there's something there's something magical about this place there is there really is something magical about this whole universe this whole experience right i mean we have the ability to, to lucid dream you can take psychedelics and you can go somewhere else you can have all these different crazy experiences and, and everything c- seems to be connected on this weird level that nobody seems to know yeah yeah but i just it's just a part of us that just thinks like what the hell is going on here <laughs> <laughs> and i'm sure everyone else thinks that as well <laughs> and, on their experiences well it it's Again, it's it's always important to realize that that in a lucid dream you truly are an explorer of some type, and and that and that things are actually a little bit more complicated than you might imagine. For example, a lot of lucid dreamers have had this experience. They can't remember how they became lucid, but now they're lucidly aware and they're interacting with somebody. So so one time I had that experience. I, I was lucidly aware and and. And I was talking to this one gentleman who seemed very knowledgeable and, and all, and uh, we're having the kind of this spiritual conversation, and and I, I told him, boy, this is a very long, stable, lucid dream. And he looked at me and said, we are not lucid dreaming. And so sometimes I think what's in some of these experiences, and especially the, these are the experiences where you can't remember how you became lucid, so there's not really a a whole big dream and then you saw a flying cow and you realize wait cows don't fly this is a dream <laughs> uh, you, you know it's just like boom you became lucid some some of these i think are really uh, out of body experiences and and that's one of the problematic aspects of our current state of psychology is we accept the waking state and we might accept the imagination and we know that dreaming occurs and now we know lucid dreaming occurs but but things like obe's are still just tossed out uh, i mean people just uh, don't accept them uh, or or they get them confused with lucid dreaming which is something i hate even more when people can't even distinguish the characteristics that differentiate a lucid dream experience from an obe experience but but so so again sometimes in some of these experiences you may not technically be in a lucid dream you may, when you later examine it, realize, wait a second, I don't remember a dream before then. I was consciously aware in this other place, having this conversation, interaction, and, and all that kind of stuff. So, so, you, so you really got to, uh, as an explorer, as an explorer, you have to really take careful notes and take careful mental notes. Because when you do, then you begin to 
learn how to differentiate different levels of awareness. You begin to differentiate how an OBE experience is incredibly stable and this, that, and the other, uh, whereas a lucid dream can be uh, less stable and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. And something else, I mean, th- maybe this will be the last point to wrap it up on because we've talked a lot, but this, I will, abs- I will Alec, I'll, I'll go crazy if I don't ask you this question because a while ago, I mean, when you were on this podcast, you brought to me the, you said you had an experience where I think you said you were in a shopping mall and you were ushered in the shopping mall by a certain sort of dream figures and they were sort of asking you questions about the nature of reality, sort of say. Well, I had an experience myself in a lucid dream where, I mean, I don't know where it is really. I mean, it, it felt like it was in sort of Mexico or something. It was really, really wild. But I, obviously, the way I, the way I call it, I, see, I woke up in the dream. I yeah, was, yeah. became lucid. And um, I was sitting in front of a table and there was these three sort of Mexican ladies that's how I perceived it anyway and they did the same similar thing to me where they were asking me questions about the nature of reality I've also spoke to a few other guests on the podcast who they said they've had experiences of that I mean you, you what, know, what you is know, going on there you know I was worried about this uh, the very first time so, so in my first book I call this uh, review committees uh, and the very first time it happened to me as I recall was in Mexico I I was asleep in my bed in, in the middle of America but but the review committee occurred and it was mexican women well wow. uh, and uh and it was it was night it was it was really wild that was the first time you know kind of being interviewed by someone and and all was really so so i call them review committees uh the great thing that happened to me in my lucid dreams is in one of these lucid in one of the review committees um i was in a shopping mall a dream figure asked me to please come follow follow him. I followed him into a room, get interviewed by about eight other uh, dream figures who were very conscious, asked me really tough questions. And at the end, they kind of uh, insulted me by saying that I wasn't quite as conscious as Jerdy, but I was coming along pretty well. And I thought, who the hell's Jerdy? <laughs> How's he more conscious than me? But at the very end of it, at the end of the experience, the the guy who had asked me to come in he opens up this white leather book and he points to this chapter in it that's that that basically showed me what limiting belief I was bouncing up against which was keeping me from growing and going even further and it it had to do with the nature of good and evil I mean that's that's how deep you get into lucid dreaming when you get to these certain beliefs are the ones that are keeping you from growing and and so when he pointed that out to me, he didn't say anything. He just pointed it to me. And then when I woke up, I realized he pointed to that for a reason. He wants me to realize that I have an issue here that I need to resolve if I'm going to have the guts, the fearlessness to keep growing and moving forward. And so so it was after that, uh, I went um, in a lucid dream to search for inherent evil. So, so I know I know people can be evil and Hitler was evil and all that kind of stuff, but is there inherent evil? Is it built into the very structure of the universe? Uh, and I went on this cosmic lucid dream where I, I basically went to the end of the universe, and at the very end there, um, a non-visible voice said to me um, that everything is sacred and alive, even the space between your fingers is sacred and alive. And I know what it was trying to tell me was that inherent evil didn't exist. It's kind of a creation of man as as man interacts with others. 
and all. And, and so, so that resolved that problem and allowed me to keep exploring deeper as a lucid dreamer. I love that. It's probably a good place to wrap it up. It's been awesome again having well, a conversation. This is fun. <laughs> this, is, this is the kind of stuff I live for because what I want to tell you, lucid dreaming is so beautiful and profound and what it can show you about yourself. The first part is kind of a journey through yourself and your, and your belief system so you can begin to expand your belief system and all. But, but the final part of it, it's a path of light. If you follow every lucid dream where a light emerges and see what it shows you, uh, you'll go to truly a, a profound place. So, so I, I just want to wish all the uh, lucid dreamers out there uh, uh, all, all the lucid best. Uh, and, and also just other people who are listening, I, I hope they see that you know even though lucid dreaming might not be your path, it might be meditation, it might be self-hypnosis, it might be whatever. Whatever path you're on is a path of glory, and uh, you can reach your larger awareness. Uh, you don't have to be lucid. You just have to start paying attention, observing, and listening. So uh, lucid wishes, everyone. I love that. Thank you so much again. Thank you. I want to ask you a quick question. This is off, this is off the podcast as well. Yeah. It might end up turning into another podcast, but I want to quickly ask you. Is, I mean, this could be a little Patreon bonus, actually. But I had an experience where I can't even remember if I've talked about this on the podcast, but it's a really funny story. <laughs> okay, listen up, everyone. Yeah, really <laughs> funny. But anyway, I had this experience where I was going through this transition period in my life, as you know, as you do, as like a young lad sort of thing. Yeah. You start um, having sort of thoughts, like sexual thoughts towards other girls and sort of things like that. Sure. But I, f- I did feel that the, the balance of the balance of that of what what me what me sort of what I was, how I was living my life was sort of tipping in, in a bad way, sort of say. Yeah. So the dream itself actually taught us this lesson and it, what it did was it actually turned us into a, a female prostitute within the dream I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you had that experience yeah, cool. <laughs> we'll leave that there I'll leave that as a patron little patron for the patron bonuses okay patrons cool. <laughs> so that little snippet there was from the patron bonus that me and Robert did at the end of the podcast and that is on the patron subscribers feed and if you want to listen to that Patreon bonus there, all you need to do is become a patron. Any amount that you any amount that you support the podcast with, even if it's two dollars a month, you will get access to that Patreon and many other uh, uh, Patreon bonuses I've done. It really it really was a funny conversation. I mean, Robert had a good a little good little um, ten to fifteen minute talk after the podcast, and we we turned it into a little Patreon bonus. So if you want to hear that, like I said, head over to the Patreon page. And wow, what a podcast that was. Come on. I mean, I was completely blew away there when Robert, in uh, towards the end of the podcast, was talking about how he said, when I asked him the question about dream figures and I was asking him the question of, what are these dream figures? Do they have their own consciousness? What's going on there? And he, the theory that Robert said and something that he's learned, he said that a, a possibility may be that the dream, some of the dream, the intelligent dream figures that stand out, could be ascended, ascended masters or or shamans, and for me that is completely mind blown because I have so many questions around that. A question I have just to go a little bit deep on this is I was going to ask the question to Robert. I was going to say, so if they are ascended masters, are they are they shamans? How did they do that? Did they did they actually lose a dream and just leave the physical realm? Or when they were dying, did they instead of having the natural process of dying did they send their consciousness into that realm jesus christ so many questions and uh i kind of i know robert sort of was a bit tentative and didn't want to go any deeper 
But I promise you that when I next speak to him, which me and him are already speaking about doing another podcast, I'm definitely taking him to them realms and I'm going to start the podcast there. So keep an eye out for that. But anyway, that's enough. There was enough deepness in that podcast. If you want to support the podcast, as I said before, you can do that with the Patreon page. It really is the best way to keep help me to keep doing what I'm doing. So anyway, I love you all. And just to play this podcast out, I'm going to play a song, a quite upbeat song to play this conversation out. It's called A Stranger in Paradise. It's a really cool song. It's got a really cool vibe about it. So I hope you enjoy this song. And I'll catch you next week where I have another amazing podcast as always. Wherever you are in the world, keep seeking people and I love you all. Come and show me the way now. 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 Little I know about wrong or right. Don't know much about the things we need and things we do for love. Little I know. Little I know about day and night Don't know much about the reason why we ask the stars above Little I know Oh I know that I belong here Though I don't know where I stand, I'm an alien I don't know where I am, yet it feels so familiar it feels so good to be home in a place I don't know I'm a stranger in paradise, so baby come take my hand Come and show me the way now, come and show me the way now I feel like a fish in the sea, oh I don't know where I stand Come and show me the way now, come on girl Here I am, come and show me, take my hand Come and show me the way now Come and show me Here I am Come and show me Take my hand Come and show me the way now Come on girl Little I know about rise and fall Don't know much about decisions that we made or might regret Little I know Little I know about standing tall Don't know much about the man I used to be before we met Little I know Oh I know that I belong here Though I don't know where I stand, I'm an alien I don't know where I am, yet it feels so familiar it feels so good to be home in a place I don't know I'm a stranger in paradise, so baby come take my hand Come and show me the way now, come and show me the way now I feel like a fish in the sea, oh I don't know where I stand Come and show me the way now, come on girl Here I am, come and show me, take my hand Come and show me the way now Come and show me Here I am Come and show me Take my hand Come and show me the way now Come on girl I'm a stranger in paradise So baby come take my hand Come and show me the way now Come and show me the way now 
I feel like a fish in the sea, oh I don't know where I stand Come on, show me the way now, come on girl Here I am, come and show me, take my hand Come on, show me the way now, come on, show me Here the way I am, come and show me, take my hand Come on, show me the way now, come on girl 